0: Be seated. I meant to ask if you are up to date on your Bible. You should be through Proverbs chapter twelve. If that is you, would you please stand up? I'm standing. I'm through that part. Look, folks, you're heading towards being heading towards three quarters of the Bible if you just stayed with it, Amen. and that that's a first for a lot of people. And so, give yourselves a hand. God bless yeah. your heart. Thank Brother Smell, one thing I forgot sure. to tell you about, among many, many other things in his life, he helped to found, am I correct? The Independent? I didn't found it, i just the president. Just the president? Yeah. Oh, okay, all right. Well, since he's just the president, never mind. Uh, the okay. Independent Baptist Online College or College Online? Online. College. Online, college. okay. And uh, this started out in 2015. Right. And so he's been a busy fella, even though he's not in the pastorate anymore. And uh, I'm just pleased to have him here with us, Amen. and glad to have, that he does have one. You want to do this as you you're going to preach? or I'll do before I preach. Okay, come on. I'll do yeah, <laughs> have at it. Yeah. <laughs> Fellas,
1: you got these to pass out out there? All right, uh, we are in the middle of a summer school sale at the college. You buy one course, you get a course for free. Just to let you know, you go to iBaptistCollege.org, and you can see all about it. But we also, now, not, not, these don't go to kids. Make sure they go to, you need, to adults, yeah, they to need to, to be uh, at least juniors in high school or older. And uh, we're going to give you a free course if you'd like to take one. Uh, maybe you've never taken a Bible course before, and this one's online, so you can take it at home whenever you want, whenever you're free, you know, three o'clock in the morning after going to church here, uh, you can take it. And uh, so you can choose what you want. Three courses are available. You get to choose one of them for free. Uh, personal evangelism, Dr. David Baker teaches that. It's a two credit course, so it would cost you $300 if you bought it through the college, and we'll give it to you for free. You can learn how to be a soul winner, go through the Romans Road, how to approach people, how to follow up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then biblical creationism, taught by Dr. Brian Evans, that is available. And uh, you'd be surprised how many people don't know anything about creationism. Uh, other than God created the earth, and it's enough, but it'd be nice if you knew a little more, and uh, you can, and uh, this is a good course to take, and then church education, unless you're actually studying for the ministry, you wouldn't want that, but all I need you to do, if you want to do it, you don't have to do it, all I need you to do is is, uh, legibly print your name, don't sign it, you're not signing for a new car, all right, Uh, just legibly print your name, and then give us a working email address, and uh, then just mark whatever, whatever uh, one of the courses you want, and uh, my secretary, Mrs. Wiff, will take care of that. She'll get in contact with you, set you up, and the next time you can go, you can log in and have your own classroom in the college, and you can see what it's like to be a college student at Independent Baptist Online College. And so this is there. If you, if you don't know what I just said, you don't understand it, see me afterwards. If you'd like to know more information about the uh, sale and so forth, you can see me as well. Thank you.
0: I'm glad to have Dr. Smell with us this evening. I hope you enjoyed the message this morning. I certainly did. And uh, sometimes we not only need to hear God teach us more, we need a constant reiteration of truth because we tend to forget. And uh, we, Oh, that's right. I remember hearing about that. You need to hear it again and again and again. And so I'm glad that he's here. And like I said this morning, what's really nice for me and for you is he hasn't changed. Amen. Now, I don't mean about his looks, his hair, line, and that kind of stuff. Ugh. I'm talking about things that really matter. Yeah. Talking about right. Bible doctrine. Talking about his stand on the Bible. How to raise a family, so on and so forth. Same as he always has been. Just because you learn a little more, you don't change direction. Right. Right. In that direction, you just keep learning more. That's what That's you're what supposed to be doing. Up. So I'm glad that he's here, glad he's my friend. We're going to have prayer, and then uh, we're going to have a song and hear some preaching tonight. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you, dear Lord, for this place. Cannot believe of all the places and everywhere throughout this world you could have placed us. Look at us tonight, laughing, enjoying one another's presence, having prayer, getting ready to sing and hear good preaching, hear your Bible being expounded upon. And God, who would have ever thought people that were out in sin, and I mean out in sin. Now look at us, sitting in church, clothed in our right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And I pray that tonight, dear Lord, we will remember those simple things, uh, yet monumental things that took place that we so quickly, if we're not careful, set aside and not appreciate what all God's done for us. Please bless him tonight. Thank you, dear Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, Amen.
2: so lonely just a pilgrim was I I had no future I wasn't ready to die oh but then I met the Savior what a friend to know for he Calvary, washed me whiter than snow, and now I'm saved, yes, I'm saved. me whiter than snow. Now I don't have much money or this world's wealth or fame, but there's one thing that's for certain, Jesus knows me by name. child of that heavenly race and now my heart is full of gladness and my life is all aglow for he took me to Calvary, wash me white. For he took me to Calvary.
1: Well, you you can see who's up there. That's half the battle right there. (laughs) Uh, Mark chapter 5. Thank you. Come and turn your Bibles with me, Mark chapter 5. Brother Mullins reminds me of my son Weston singing, and uh, they they are not afraid to belt it out, and that's the way it should be. And uh, my son Weston, when he was a little boy, he he didn't realize the name of the church was Anchor Baptist, and he had heard uh, Dr. Bell... Preach, and so he thought it was called the Angry Baptist Church. (laughs) Dad, when we go into the Angry Baptist Church again, (laughs) angry. Oh, well, preacher. Thank you for allowing me to be here. For inviting me, it's an honor. It's a privilege, and uh, I love our friendship. We don't always get to talk. You you, you think we have a good time cut up? That's because we're trying to catch up from years of not being able to see each other. We're just busy. And uh, one day in heaven, we'll have a lot of time to do all the things we didn't do down here. But uh, we've been busy on the front lines, and your pastor is a wonderful man of God. I thank God for our friendship and all these many years now. I was thinking about this while all of this was taking place. You think 34 years ago, somebody drove by on climb out here and thought... You know, one day, one day, there's going to be a church there. And yet in the mind of God, that was exactly what yes. was going on. And he said, one day I'm going to put a place where people get saved and people will come to know the Lord and they'll be helped and they'll be loved and cared for and shepherded and so on and so forth. And uh, But nobody around here knew that and nobody understood it but God. And uh, that's wonderful. Mark chapter 5, stand with me if you would. I'm going to begin reading to you in verse number 5. he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there a, nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Now, I'm going to call your attention to these different verses in just a moment, but you see the word devils there. You'll find out, and you may already know this, you'll find out in Scripture the word demon isn't used, the word devils are. We'll stay with that rendering uh, I don't think it's wrong if you use the word demon to understand, we understand what you're talking about. But I'm tonight going to talk about devils. And I'm going to talk to you about the prayer life of devils. The prayer life of devils. Father, help us on this Sunday night as the beginning of another Faith Harbor Week takes place. And, uh, and yet, who knows this week who will be helped the most? Who knows who's going to be challenged the most? Who knows who's going to repent of sin and come clean with God? Who knows what church will be set on fire? Uh, because of the course of the preaching and the preachers that are here in this great place. and We just pray that you'll do wonderful things as we begin this conference together. Thank you for the privilege that I have to be a part of it. And I pray that you would use me tonight to deliver the word of God. You have given me a heart for it. Now help the people to receive it gladly. I believe, Lord, with my heart that we need to hear from heaven. Yes. So please help me to uh, receive the word and give the word. And I pray it would be fallen upon ears that are not hardened and, or hearts that are hardened, but rather a fertile ground is where it would go. Holy Spirit, help me tonight. I yield for your power. Speak through me the words of life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. One of the most amazing stories of how the power of Christ can change a person is found here in Mark chapter 5. Here's a man that the Bible describes as being so unruly that even uh, change could not hold him. Fetters were broken around him. He cried out loud day and night, and he would cut himself intentionally because of his uncontrolled behavior. And the reason we find out that he's like that is because he is devil possessed, right. and devil possessed people do things like this. And in fact, he's not just devil possessed, but we find out he's more accurately devil filled. For when Jesus asked him, "What is your name?" he says, "My name is Legion." And we know that a legion, a Roman legion, could be between four and 6,000 soldiers. And so this could be thousands of devils in this one man. So this isn't just somebody who messed around with a Ouija board one day and got in trouble, which is what will happen if that's what you do. But actually, this is somebody who's been in trouble for some time, and he is a devil-possessed man. So this devil-possessed man, when he sees Jesus, he runs to Jesus, for despite his condition, he knows that the only real help in life is the Savior. And you, these people can mock us, they can laugh at us, the lost world can can uh, throw things at us and decide that we're fools, And we're, but they know in their heart that when it's time to get right, they know where to go. They know exactly where to go because it ain't gonna be the casinos then, it's not gonna be the bars then, it's not gonna be the rock concerts then, it'll be the church that knows the Bible, that preaches the truth, that'll be the help to them. <coughs> So we see that Jesus confronts them in verses 10 through 12. He besought them much, this is the devil-possessed man, that he would not send them, plural, away out of the country. Now there were nine to the mountains, a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils, thousands, besought him, that uh, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. The word besought there is a word meaning to ask. This is what they're doing. They're they're asking Jesus for something. They want Jesus to do something for, hey, these are devils who are asking the Savior, it's unholiness asking holiness for something to be done on their behalf. Not only did they ask, but in verse 10 it says they besought him much. This is a pleading or a begging that this would not happen and a certain thing would take place. These devils were pleading and begging and asking him. And then we find out in verse 12, they did it all together, which means they did they did it better than most Baptist churches. They did it in unity. I'm talking about devils who are on their way to the pits of hell. They're not going to heaven, and yet together they do this. You can't get most churches to do things together unless it's criticized or sitting in the seat of the scornful. And then we find out that in verse number 13, Jesus heard their asking and answered their asking and they got exactly what they asked for. So my question tonight to you is this. If devils that are on their way to hell can ask and receive answers from the Lord from their asking, how much more can the saints of God who are bought by the blood of the Savior who are on their way to heaven, how much more can you and I Get answers to our prayers. Proverbs chapter 15, and you haven't got there yet, and you're reading, but you'll get there. Proverbs 15, verse 11, hell and destruction are before the Lord, how much more than the hearts of the children of man. If hell is before God, how much more are you before the Lord tonight? How much more does he care for you? How much more does he concern himself with you? How much more is he wanting to hear from you in prayer? I want you to listen to me carefully tonight because it's the full will of God that he would not only hear your prayers, but that he would answer your prayers. But the burden does not rest upon him. The burden rests upon us. You say, well, how do, I, how do you know that? The Bible tells us in James chapter 4 and verse 2, ye have not because ye ask not. I don't know how much more simpler God has to make this. You don't have it, not because you're ugly, not because you're poor, not because you got a bad job, not because you're divorced, not because you've been in rehab, not because you, hey, you don't have it because you're not asking for it. It's as simple as one and one equals two. That's how simple this is. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it shall be given you. It's, a, it's an understood. You ask and it shall be given unto you. Dr. John L. Rice, who was the authority on prayer in the previous generation, wrote one of the great books on prayer, Prayer is Asking and Receiving, made this statement. He said, all of our failures are prayer failures. That means, if that be a true statement, and I I believe it is, that means my failures as a husband is prayer. My failures as a daddy is prayer. My failures as a Christian is prayer. My failures as a preacher is prayer. That's where my failures are. Do you know tonight that prayer is the single most important activity for the Christian according to God's word? First Timothy 2, once as I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving you thanks be made for all men. I'm to pray before I go soul winning. I'm to pray before I teach my Sunday school class. I'm to pray before I run that bus route. Hey, I'm to pray before I go to work tomorrow. I'm to pray before I go to school. I'm to pray before I go home. I am to pray before everything and anything in life. Dr. A.J. Gordon said, there's more you can do after you pray, but there's nothing you can do until you've prayed. What an astute statement. You know, the apostles understood this. For you read the scriptures in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, they asked Jesus to be taught how to pray. They, They watched him teach, and not one of them in scripture said, can you teach me how to do that? They saw him heal. And none of them said, I'd like to have a worldwide TV ministry. None of them said it. They heard him preach and nobody said, can you teach me how to do that? But when he prayed, when he prayed, they said, can you teach us how to do that? They wanted to know how to pray. And that's exactly why this is such a powerful need of this hour and this day. So we're commanded of God to pray. And prayer is simply asking. Praise is not prayer. If you put praise in your prayer time, it's okay, but it's not. You can spend an hour praising God. You haven't prayed yet. Uh, Thanksgiving is a good thing, but it's not prayer. You can put it in your prayer time, but if you spend an hour thanksgiving or giving thanks, you're not going to be praying. Uh, It's a good thing to worship God. You ought to be. The Bible tells us to worship him in spirit and in truth. You ought to be doing that on a daily basis. But if you do that, you haven't prayed yet. And so prayer is simply asking. Isn't it funny God has to command us to do this? That God in his word tells you, you need to do this. I'm going to make sure you do this because prayer is always for our benefit. It's never any other way. But I'm fully convinced as I get ready to hit four decades of full-time Christian service, I'm fully convinced that the number one thing that is required of God's people is also the least amount of attended thing that we do. Prayer. It's the one thing we ignore quick and first because you can't drink coffee and pray. You can't watch TV and pray. You can't play on Facebook and pray. You can't do something else and pray. When you come to prayer, you gotta enter into that closet and shut the door and be with God. That's the only way you can do it. Matthew Henry, the theologian, said Christians need to make a business out of prayer. Dale Moody said a plumber's business is plumbing and a carpenter's business is building, but a Christian's business is prayer. Homer Roadheaver, who was one of the, uh, several of the uh, uh, song leaders for the great Billy Sunday, said what fueled Billy Sunday's ministry was his prayer life. His prayer life was so real to him that as he was walking down the street, he'll be talking to you and then he'll talk to God at the same time. I mean, he'll talk to you, he'll talk to God, he'll talk to you, and talk to God, And you better listen carefully. You'll think that what he's saying to God is still going to you. That's how much he believed in prayer. And no one would disagree with the purpose or power of prayer, but hold on. It just may be in the Sunday night crowd at the Anchor Baptist Church that there are more people sitting here tonight who have not prayed today than who have. You say, wait a minute, I'm a bus captain. I don't mean you prayed. Well, I taught Sunday school today. I don't mean you prayed in the Sunday school class, I'm talking about you got away before church and before the morning got a out of hand and you knelt on your knees or you sat in your chair and got a hold of heaven and prayed to God. Yeah, God. It just might be that there are more who haven't. Than, you know the truth of the matter is about every church in America has this issue and especially the good ones. In fact, I can go to churches I've never even been to before and I could preach this exact same message and be spot on because prayer is that big of a struggle. The devil knows how big of a hit it takes. Several years ago, they did a survey of uh, several thousand pastors across the different uh, denominations and groups, including the independent Baptists, And they said, list the 10 most important duties of a pastor and either one or two, all the way down on the list was prayer. All, all of them, several thousand, one or two was prayer. And then they said, now we want you to take those 10 subjects and put them in order of what you spend the most time in. And according to every one of them, every every one of them, the last one was prayer. We're talking about the spiritual leaders. Don't tell me we're praying too much. We're not praying nowhere near what we need to. And we wonder, we wonder why aren't we seeing what our forefathers saw? That might be it right there. They had these things called all-night prayer meetings which most people might have read about or heard about but have never experienced. They had seasons of prayer where they spent significant time in prayer. They had prayer and fasting in previous generations. We in our generation of self-fulfillment are so far off of that that we don't even understand the concepts. It's a tragedy. Do you notice that of all the doctrines of Christianity, prayer is the least argued about? Who argues about whether prayer is real or not? Who argues about whether we should pray or not? Methodists pray, Lutherans pray, Catholics pray. I realize everybody doesn't pray the same way, but they all believe in the, the the concept of prayer. They all believe in that. Even false cults believe in some manner of prayer. Hindus have a prayer and Muslims have a prayer and et cetera, et cetera. People will fuss on how do you get to heaven. People will fuss on the King James Bible. People will fuss on uh, separation. But who do you know that ever gets together in a group and starts arguing about praying? Nobody does. And yet we're not doing it. It's one of the most universally accepted doctrines in all the Bible. Years ago, because of our daughter Hannah, we spent the four years of her life, we spent 20, uh, 29 times, we entered into Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital for a night to up to three weeks. And because we were in there so much, we got to know the Ronald McDonald House very well. And and I'm not a big fan of the Golden Arches, mostly because I'm starting to look like that. Uh, But but the truth of the matter is that was a real, real help to us, a real oasis to us. Because it's a place where parents go when their kids are in the hospital. And it is a place you can rest, and it's not much money. Now it's no money, uh, but uh, it, but it wasn't much money in those days, and a lot of people care for you, and you can do a lot of things there that you couldn't do normally. I mean, there was a, it's hard for some of you young people to understand. There was a day we didn't have cell phones. So when we needed to get a hold of family to tell them how our daughter was, we had to use the old dial-up-on-the-wall phone, and that cost a lot of money to do. That wasn't cheap anyway in any way you looked at it. And so Ronald McDonald House provided that for you for free. So so many different things, it was such a blessing. So because we were in it so much, they decided the one that's up by um, uh, close to now, it's right between Cleveland Clinic and Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital in Cleveland, uh, they had decided they were going to build a brand new one, a bigger one and a brand new one. The other one was an old uh, hotel that was renovated. And so they decided they are going to have a big uh, uh, kick-off to it, and uh, they were going to uh, kick some dirt up you know, like you do in a church build and uh, you know, have golden shovels and have guys there get their pictures taken and heads of McDonald's and, and heads of the, of the city and so forth. And they were going to put it on TV. And they were bringing the mayor in and all the different city councilmen and different people like that. And they said, well, we don't want to do this without actually having a dedication prayer. They said, who can we have for a dedication prayer? And my phone rang in my church office one day. He said, it a, it's the head of McDonald's uh, that deal with the McDonald's house. I thought, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? <laughs> why, why is McDonald's calling me, you know? And he said to me, he said, Reverend, <clears throat> usually that's when I'm in trouble When that, when I hear that. And he said, Reverend... He said, I've been told that you and your wife have spent 29 times in our uh, Ronald McDonald house in Cleveland and we're building a brand new one and uh, we want to have a dedication prayer. In fact, it's going to kick off the whole thing. We want you to be the one to lead the dedication prayer. You know, my first question is, what's the parameters? You're going to tell me I can't say anything in Jesus' name or anything like that? No. He said, there's no parameters at all. What's the time frame? As long as you want. You know, you can't tell preachers that. No, <laughs> and he did, and I said, there's, there's no, pre-. he said, no parameter at all, you'll be the first one on the docket, mayor will be there, and city council will be there, TV will be on, radio, they're all carrying this, and you're going to be the first one, I said, I'll do it, I'll do it. <clears throat> And so I got up there that day, had me a nice suit on and got up there and they said, now the Reverend Dr. Jeffrey Smale, pastor of the Victory Baptist Temple, in Leary, Ohio, he and his wife 29 times were at the Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital, the old one, and he is going to give the prayer of dedication as we start this celebration off. And so I got the microphone and I began to pray and I said, Lord, thank you for heaven thank you that the way to heaven is still the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And I said, I thank you that the Bible tells us in Romans chapter three and verse number 10 that there's none righteous, no, not one. I, I prayed through the entire Romans road. <laughs> I said, if the mayor's here, he's getting it. If the TV's there, they're getting it. And I prayed through the whole thing and gave them the gospel and even led them through the sinner's prayer in my prayer. And then I did pray and sincerely ask, ask God to, to, uh, to uh, bless the Ronald McDonald house because I know what it meant to us. And, uh, and I finished and then that was the end. They didn't have anything more for me to do other than pictures later on and, uh, and I was done. But here's what I'm, I'm telling you this story for. Why am I telling you this? Here's the thing. They didn't ask me to come and preach a message. They wouldn't have done that. They didn't say come and teach us something. They wouldn't have done that. But when it came to prayer, they all agreed this is a good thing to do. I'm telling you, prayer is the most universally accepted doctrine in all the Bible. And yet we're not doing it. And if we are doing it, we're not doing it to the level that you and I know we could do. And we're not getting answers to prayer and we're not seeing God work like we want him to and yet we we, we we don't understand what's happening. Oh, God's not favoring me like he used to. God doesn't love me like he used to. No, sir, you have not because you ask not. Amen. That's how simple it is. Before I realized I was called to preach, I sold insurance from Columbus here and our agency was up there in uh, in the North End, and they they uh, hired me, and then they had to send me to Dayton to train me and also get my license, my state license. And so they they sent me and eleven other brand new employees from their office to Dayton, Ohio, for a week. They put us up in a hotel, and they said we're going to feed you one meal a day. It's across the street from the training center, and you, you get to you eat anything you want, but only once a day. So you had to eat big. You know what I mean? Uh, so here's these 12. Now, I'm saved, and I was serving the Lord. and I just wasn't, I didn't know I was called to preach. And so uh, I go there. I'm thinking I'm going to spend my life selling insurance, you know. And uh, so I go here with these other 11 folks from our, our uh, new office. And uh, we get there, and, and so we're all going to lunch together. This is what we did, because we didn't know anybody else. We barely knew each other, so we'd go during the break and go to lunch together. Well, one particular day, we sat down at the table, 12 of us together in this restaurant, <coughs> and every one of us ordered some form of bread product, sandwich, hamburger, uh, grilled cheese, uh, you know, sub, whatever it was, but everybody, all 12, had some bread product that they had, had, uh, had purchased and so uh, mine came, and he sat down before me, and I didn't—I didn't stand on the table. And God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I just bowed my head and prayed and asked God to bless for what He has given to me. And He did give it to me because I didn't pay a dime for it. <clears throat> but uh, regardless of that, I—you know—I didn't make a big deal about it. But I did do it because I think it's right to do, even when you're in public. Amen. Hey, the same God that is in private is in public too. And so I wanted to thank him for what I had been given. And so I finished praying and I raised my head up and the lady sitting across from me, she said, you okay? And I said, yes, why? She said, well, you just put your head down. I thought maybe you were sick or your stomach or something. I said, no, I said, I just prayed for the meal. And then I tried to be funny. I said, when you eat too much in a restaurant like this, you better ask God to bless it because you might get sick. You don't know what you're going to get. And and she kind of laughed like you did. That's called a that's called a uh, laugh because he said that is a funny thing, not because you thought it was funny, you know, that type of thing. And that's what she did, <laughs> like that. <And> <laughs> so, <laughs> so all the way down to the other end of the table, here's a lady. She's got her bun up in here. She's going, ooh that and it's green and blue and it's got mold on it. (laughs) You know, if everybody's got a sandwich of some kind and one person's got mold on it, you know, everybody's checking theirs. Everybody's checking. I know you don't believe me. I got my hand on God's word to tell you the truth about it. Every one of those other 11 people raised up a moldy bun but me. I said to the table, I said, I told you, you should have prayed before you ate. Now, you think, oh, come on now. Here's what happened in heaven. I guarantee you this is what happened in heaven. God said, God saw the scenario, and he called a couple angels. Come on here, let's watch and see what's going to happen next. Don't you think God has a sense of humor? He made you, didn't he? Uh, (laughs) I believe in the power of prayer. What do you think I prayed for? Did I not expect God to protect and bless me? I asked him to. I mentioned my son Weston, who's a wonderful singer, who, by the way, he loves your pastor and pattern a lot of his ability or or style, if you will, in singing like him and sings a lot of songs. He loves some of those songs. He came to me. uh, He loves singing that. And uh, so, Uh, But when he was little, he was six years of age, we built a new building at our church there, Victory Baptist, and I ran out of money. It's hard to believe, but I ran out of money, and I'll I'll tell you who was the fault. It was the EPA. We didn't even consider them in the building project at all because we were out in the country. We weren't in the city like this. And here they showed up and stuck their nose in our building project and said, you got to have one of these thousand-year ditches with all the trenching and all the things that need to be in case you get a a wild monsoon that shows up one day and therefore it doesn't flood the roads out. I said, come on, that costs like $30,000. Well, there goes the sign, and there goes, the, you know, some resurfacing and all kinds of things. Yeah. And so it really bummed me out for a while. And so we had the sign at the front road. It, it went 22 feet up in the air. It went 20 feet in the ground in solid concrete, but it was from the 70s. So here we have this brand-new building, a whole, a whole new church, and, and the whole thing redone from the outside. And, and we got this sign from the 70s. This is 2000. And I thought, oh, my soul, what are we going to do? I can't do anything. I ain't got any money, and I can't ask nobody else for any more giving. They've given and given and given. So we're going to be stuck with that. So in the early days when my my boys were young, and my kids, all of them when, when they were young, I would pray with them before they went to sleep until I knew they could pray on their own. And so I came into Weston. He was six years of age. Weston's always been like this. He's more like this today than he's ever been. He said, Dad, he said, when are we going to get a new sign? And I said, we can't afford a new sign. He said, Dad, we can't go with that sign. That old sign, it's six-year-old. That old sign ain't going to work. We got to have a new sign. I said, I can't do anything about it. We got to have a new sign, Dad. He said, I'm going to pray God gives us a new sign. Now, that's a novel idea. I hadn't even thought of that one. (laughs) I tell you the truth, I not one time prayed and asked God to give us a new sign. That's how bad I was on that. I figured we didn't have any money. We're stuck with the old sign. Never one time said, Lord, give us a new sign. And my son, every night for two weeks, every night, God give us a, like like a preacher, God give us a new sign. We can't have this old 1970 sign. We gotta have six-year-old, we gotta have a new sign. I was sitting in my office one day and a storm started kicking up and I could hear it before I could see it and I could feel the building shake a little bit and I thought, my soul, what in the world's going on? I hear the wind whistling, howling. So forth. And I thought, wait a minute, my new building? No, not my new building. And I ran out there once it all stopped and uh, went out front and looked out. And all the shingles were on place and all the siding's in place and bricks and everything's in place. And then I looked at that sign out front and it was all <laughs> crumbled up so you couldn't see it and couldn't understand what it was. I thought, oh no, I ain't got any money for that. And it dawned on me I do have insurance. <laughs> That old squirrely insurance agent showed up the next day. He came out with his clipboard, and he's making a few notes like this, and he's looking at that sign, shaking his head like this, and looking at the sign, and he goes, Reverend, he says, we're going to have to put a new sign up here for you. Right, you? Yeah. Now, you may not believe in the power of prayer, but I do. Amen. That thing hit my heart so strongly that I decided the next Sunday, Pastor, I got one of my staff and I said, you're teaching my Sunday school class for at least the next 10 weeks. He said, what'd you do? I decided I'm going into the Sunday school class area and I'm gonna sit. I had 40, 44 classrooms then and I'm gonna sit and spend 15 minutes in each one and, uh, and I, when I get out, here's what I'm gonna do. When I get, out and get ready to move to the next one, I'm gonna ask the kids in that class to pray for the preacher every day. Hey, if God will hear the prayer of a six-year-old, I could use some prayer help here. Amen. And you know the thing about the prayers of the six and seven and eight and nine and 10-year-olds? They don't have that convoluted lack of faith and, and I don't think it'll happen and it's only what happens in stories and preachers. and It doesn't really happen to me. They believe God will answer. Amen. I'm just simply saying we need people to believe this again. We need people to practice it again. We need people to go home and and every morning have a time where you get on your knees before your day gets busy and crowded and you get a hold of heaven and you attach to God and decide, I've got to hear from God today. It's got to be answered. I long for us to experience the great power of prayer again like our forefathers understood. What could happen in the Columbus, Ohio area if just one church got a hold of the thing of prayer? I mean, went to town on this thing. I mentioned to you about Dr. John R. Rice. He was the founder of the Sword of the Lord newspaper. And Dr. Rice, as I said, was an authority on prayer. <clears throat> he would have, uh, from the Sword of the Lord, he would have a ladies' jubilee several times a year at several different locations, at conferences for ladies. And he would go there, but other ladies would do 90% of the speaking, but he would always have at least one message, sometimes two, that he would deliver. The last ladies' Jubilee that Dr. John R. Rice headed up was at the Rimer Road Baptist Church in Wadsworth, Ohio. I've been there on many occasions for other sword conferences with Dr. Hudson and Dr. Hiles. Well, by then, he was 80 years of age, and, uh, and sometimes he would get stuck where he was in his message and forget where he was. And Dr. Curtis Hudson, who was going to be his successor, uh, would travel with him. And if he needed some, some gentle help, he would give it to him or sometimes cover for him just in case. And so he, the last Lady's Jubilee, never was going to do another one. But Ladies' Jubilees were something special to Dr. Rice. And there was a message that he would preach at many of them on Hannah from 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah wanted a, a child more than anything in life. Give me children, you know. This is what she wanted. This is what she begged God for. And you remember the story. She came down to the altar and prayed. And Eli, the high priest, came down seeing her pray and thinking that she was drunk. Yeah. She was so into this prayer. And, uh, and then realizing that uh, she wasn't, she was trying to get hold of God. And, uh, and when she had uh, Samuel, she gave him unto the Lord and Eli raised him. Of course, you know the greatness of Samuel. So Dr. Rice would preach that message, and then he would go into the invitation and say to the ladies, thousands of ladies, he would say, now, if you're wanting God to give you a child, I want you to stand right now. And then he would pray that God would give children to the ladies who are standing. Well, there would be testimonies that many ladies would say that she, they believe that, that God answered that prayer and they had children because of the prayer of the man of God asking God to give them children. So now Dr. Rice is 80, And he doesn't always remember what's going on or where he's at or what's going on. Dr. Hudson is there with him to help him. But he preaches that message on Hannah. And it comes time to the invitation. He says, I want all the ladies to stand. And then he begins to pray and says, God, every one of these ladies standing want a baby. Would you give them a baby now? There were 90-year-old women that were passing out. There were single girls who were dropping quick because they didn't understand what the prayer was about. All kinds of women said, oh, no. (laughs) They were getting down. Well, I heard Dr. Curtis Hudson tell this story, and they asked Dr. Hudson, what did you do? Because he said, everybody stand. You were standing. He said, yes, I was standing. He said, what did you do? He said, I sat down. He said, Dr. Rice got answers to his prayer, and I did not want to be the first male to have a child. I wish we as fundamentalists believed in prayer like we used to. Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? In the name of Christ our Savior, did you sue for loving favor as a shield today? Oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will change night into day. So in sorrow and in gladness, don't you forget to pray. I'm sure you could testify this if we had time, but the greatest things in my my 64 years of life came through the vehicle of prayer. Amen. The greatest things. I'll tell you one, then we're gonna do business with God. I was 19 years of age. <clears throat> I was saved. I was saved at nine. 10 years had gone by, but I'd never been taught or trained anything biblical of any level of nature, never grew in grace. And, but I, I had moved to Columbus, Ohio. I was going to DeVry University. Then it was called Bell and Howe School and uh, I'm not even sure it's even in existence there, but it became DeVry University. I was learning electronics, and so I moved to Reynoldsburg, Ohio, into an apartment with three other guys from the college. One was a friend of mine from Michigan, and he was really the one that kind of got me into all of this, and, uh, and he, he played bass in, in our band, and I played drums. That's where I was, all right? <clears throat> so, uh, it was, So he was a Catholic, I was Presbyterian. One of the guys was an atheist, and the other one was Seventh-day Adventist. Could you get a more varied group of men right there? And we all roomed in the same large four-bedroom apartment. So it was right over down there on Main Street, right above, right across from Vic's Pizza. And it used to be uh, uh, Academy TV was underneath it, and it's all gone. The building's gone everything now, but that's where it was. It used to be the, the Reynoldsburg City Hall at one point in time. And so we we play our, our band up there because they had a platform in the living room, and uh, but the police couldn't get to us. They couldn't figure out how to get up there. And so we'd play, I mean, 11, 12 o'clock at night and through the streets of the city would be the music. Well, that's what they call it. Uh, we'd be going down there and the police would shine their lights and say, hey, who's up there? What are you doing up there? And we'd just ignore them. And they couldn't get to us, so they didn't know what we were doing. But anyway... <coughs> Something happened in my life that I, to this day, do not know how to describe it. But I got a desire to really get a hold of and know the Lord. I was saved, and I was confident I was saved, but I didn't know God, and I wanted to know him. I walked to a little church that was down from my apartment there and every Sunday I'd go there and yet the pastor didn't even take the time to know my name, let alone, he didn't ever preach or try, never try to get me saved or anything, but I'd go there every Sunday morning just wanting to find out how do I get close to God. I didn't know how to do it. Across from our apartment, there was a Christian bookstore right on that corner there. uh, I forget the side road there on Main Street in Reynoldsburg. And uh, it was a mon pa type store, and it was maybe a third of the size of this auditorium. wasn't very big at all, and, uh, and they were very nice people, and I would come in there. Now, I got to tell you what I looked like then. <clears throat> I had hair longer than I, well, I had hair, period. <laughs> but it was a lot longer than it is now. And, uh, and so it was down over my ears. It was onto my collars, and I, I was trying to grow those lamb chops, So I had them half in and half out, you know, Elvis type things. And and, and I had that. And so, and I had uh, jeans with holes in it. And uh, so that's kind of when I went over there and I would go through the Jesus rock album area. And I, I, I was listening to Jesus rock music, trying to find God. I mean, trying to know how to walk with him and learn of him. Now they didn't know either. But I I didn't know what else to do. I was in rock music. it was my culture. And I was trying to find it through the culture. You don't find it through the culture. That's why all these churches, you want to know what's wrong with all these churches? They're culture-driven. They're not Bible-driven. That's what's wrong with them. So I, I didn't know what to do and how to do it, and I got tired. I, I, I was working at Sears at the old Eastland Mall. I worked in plumbing and heating, and, uh, and so I, I would date some of the girls that worked there, and none of them wanted to know God. They didn't care about whether they went to church or not, and I did. I wanted to know. I was sincere. I want to know how to walk with God. I know. I want to know what this is all about, and I wanted somebody to help me, and nobody could help me. And then one night on a Thursday night, in March of 1978, I went to bed about nine o'clock at night and just wept before God. I said, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. I wanna do it. I wanna know you, I wanna understand you, but I don't know how to get there. You've gotta send me a Christian girlfriend who knows you, who walks with you, who can help me to get there. That was on Thursday night at nine o'clock when I went to bed. That was my prayer. The next day I went to college and after college I decided to go over the street and go to the Christian bookstore. I went inside the bookstore and his mom and pa, the husband and wife, ran it, and everybody was greeted like a a, a a friend, you know, when they came in. But they liked to show their store off. And so here I'd come in and there was a lady that they were showing through the store, and she was just getting ready to leave. She said, Oh wait, hey, don't leave yet. We just got in all of the paraphernalia for for weddings and Christian wedding and we've got the book and the the ring pillow and all that type of stuff. We want to show it to you. She goes, oh, that's wonderful. I've got five unmarried, unengaged daughters. I'm on the other side of the store. It's not that hard to hear that. I I figured this. If I could see what this woman looked like, I might have an idea what her daughters look like, you know. So the... The husband who owned the store saw me, whipped my head around like that because he just about spun it off, you know. And he said, hey, he said, when you said that, Jeff turned around and looked this way. He said, Jeff, you got a girlfriend? And I said, no. (laughs) You know, I mean, I know know what you're thinking because I thought the same thing. A good-looking guy like me, how could I not have been beating him off with a stick? But I didn't have one. So she said to me, she said, this lady, She said, how old are you? I said, I'm 19. She said, I got an 18-year-old daughter. You want to see a picture of her? (laughs) No. You you have to understand when God's working in mysterious ways, because this woman was not like this normally, not at all. And I said, yes. And so I went over there, and here I see this picture of this 18-year-old girl. Now, when I was in high school, I grew up in Michigan. I had no choice. It's just the way it is. All right, folks, get over it. <clears throat> so uh, uh, I used to grade girls, you know, some were minor leaguers, you know, A, double A, some were triple A, a few were major leaguers. I, I usually didn't get to date the major leaguers and I never got around the Hall of Famers. You know, <clears throat> that wasn't even, that was way out of my, my territory. And so I'm looking at this picture of this girl who's 18, and she's a Hall of Famer. And oh, no, she'll never like me. And this lady says to me, you go to church anywhere? And the, the, the husband and wife, oh, Jeff's a good Christian. Lamb chops, long hair, holes in the jeans. Jeff's a good Christian, young, we can vouch. He goes to church right over here every Sunday. A good Christian. She says, Your church has Sunday night? And I said, No. She says, Why don't you come Sunday night and meet my daughter? Yeah. <laughs> okay. She gave me the address. I went across the street. The Seventh day Adventist was there. The uh, atheist was there. And the Catholic was there. And I pitched open the door. And I said, Hey, guys, God has answered my prayer. Hey. They said, You're nuts. I said, I prayed for a Christian girlfriend, and you wouldn't believe what just happened. <clears throat> so <laughs> I got me a tie and a shirt and a vest. <laughs> I didn't wear a coat because I was cool. <laughs> just a vest. And, uh, and I trotted off that evening to the Faith Center Baptist Church in Canal Winchester, Ohio. And I came in there, and there those people were—I didn't know who was anybody. And he said, "Well, who are you looking for?" I said, "I'm looking for Pat McCoy." And well, she's over there. Uh, why don't you just sit over here, and I'll tell her you're here. And, and the place was was filling up, and uh, and I sat there, and and they started the service. They started talking about packing pews, and how many had somebody saved today, and how many were on your buses. And I thought, man, what a strange church. This is not like the Presbyterians. This, this is the people that mama warned me about right here. <laughs> I thought, it don't matter, I'm here for a girl, I don't care, you know, what they believe, you know. So the very person I'm here to see, she's singing on the platform, singing a special. The teens made the choir up on Sunday night, and she sang in the choir, and afterwards, her mama takes uh, me and her and introduces us together. And, of course, I don't know what to say. She doesn't know what to say. And, uh, and so she says to me, she says, uh, after church, a lot of times uh, people come to our house, and we'll have a lot of people come to our house. You want to come over too? And I said, yeah, oh, okay, sure. And I felt like a fish out of water, honestly. They were all having a great time, and they talked spiritual things, and I didn't understand one thing. And I sat in a chair and just thought, when can I get out of here? I thought this girl's not gonna like me. So I'm getting ready to leave. And this girl comes up to me and she says, Do you like music? Christian music? And I said, Yes, I'm thinking Jesus rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she says, and she's got this 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 record album of this one real, real precious lady singer, and she's you know in a dress and, and godly music. And she says, Well, here I'd like to loan you this and see if you like this. And I'm looking at the cover and I'm thinking, there ain't no way I'm gonna like this. I can tell you that right now. <clears throat> but I was nice because that's the way I was raised. I was raised to be nice. And uh, so I said, okay, and I took it, and we left each other. So that's on Sunday. On Monday, I thought, she doesn't like me. She didn't even talk to me. And uh, this is just a waste of time. She's trying to get me into a church because she was part of the how many were on the bus, how many's yeah. going to be in the pew. She <laughs> was a part of that crowd. And I thought, so that's what I am. I'm just another number to get into the crowd. And so I did put the record on my turntable. I know I understand this is painful for a few teenagers who don't understand these 12-inch vinyl records. Anyway, uh, so I put it on there and, and tried it, and I thought, oh, no, this ain't me. And uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm going to give it back to her. I, 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 she actually lived close by where I worked, and I thought I'm going to, she lived with her parents, and I'm going to go by there and give this to her and, figure it's all done, and she's just being nice to me and trying to get me in for a number. And so Wednesday night, she was getting ready for church. I'm getting ready to go to work. And she says, you coming to church tonight? And I said, no, I got to go to work. And she said, well, how about Sunday morning? You coming Sunday morning? And I said, no, I have to work. And I did. And she said, well, what about Sunday night? And I lied. I said, I got to work, and I didn't. And so when I said that three times, she asked. She went like this. She said, oh, like that. And I could tell she was disappointed, but I didn't know why she was disappointed. And that's what was eating my lunch. <clears throat> so I went off to work, and I worked in plumbing and heating. There was one lady and four guys that were working that night with me. And, uh, and so we were there, and I was telling them the story like I was just telling you. And I said, I don't know about this girl whether she likes me or not but I don't think she does. What do you think? And this guy give me his opinion, and I'd tell the story to another guy, and I'd say, what do you think? And he said, no, yeah, I don't think I don't think she likes you either. And I went to all four of the guys, and finally this girl heard every one of these conversations, and she walked up to me. I never asked her. She walked up to me, and she says, why don't you just pick up the phone and ask her? I said, well, I don't understand. Why does she want me to come to church? she want a number, or does she want me to come? He said, the only way you're going to know is to ask her. Some stupid girl. <laughs> so I got off work, got home about 10:30 at night. I called her parents' house. <clears throat> uh, this is the story I was told later. Her mom, she was, she was in her bedroom and she was sure she was never gonna see me again. She was crying herself to sleep. And yeah, I know. Heart heartbreaker, that's my middle name. <laughs> so so her mom goes to the room and, and calls her name and says, uh, Jeff's on the phone. You want to talk to him? She said, Mom, that's not funny. He's not on the phone. She said, yes, he is. He's on the phone. Mom, that's not funny to make me feel worse about this. He's not on the phone. She said, he is on the phone. He's calling. He's going to hang up if you don't get in there. She got on the phone, and, and I said, Do I got one question to ask you. You're so bothered about me being to church Sunday. Do you want me to come because I can be one of the number in your group you're trying to get? or do you want me to come? And she said, I want you to come. It's a great church to tell that story in. So we're pushing on to our 44th anniversary now. Now, I tell you that long, lengthy story for one thing, and this is what I want you to do, and I want you to gear to you now. Why did I tell that? I prayed one time. I didn't pray for years. I didn't pray for weeks. I prayed one time sincerely, one time with tears, one time, and I didn't even understand prayer. But I prayed one time, and God changed my life. You can't give up on prayer. You can't stop praying. You can't act like, well, God's not going to hear me. I wasn't right with God. I just was his child. That's all I was. You can't believe that God won't hear you. You've got to decide, I am getting back to prayer tonight. Father, help us with these things.